listening to It's All About Perspective with your hosts, Abigail Peterson from Kindergarten Chaos and Principal Robert Hinchliff. Join us as we discuss education from various points of view. Take the challenge of listening to see if your opinion changes. But no matter where you stand on the issues, remember, it's all about perspective. Hello and welcome to It's All About Perspective with your hosts, I'm Abigail Peterson. And I am Robert Hinchliffe, and I am a principal at an elementary school. And Abby, guess what I have spent all day trying to figure out? I have one guess, and it's probably distance learning. You are correct. We have spent all day <laughs> Imagine trying, to, that. Yeah, trying to figure out how in the world we're going to accomplish the plan that has been set forth by Clark County School District. It's, it's going to be a challenge. So for anybody who does not know us personally, which on this second episode might be not very many people, but we are from Las Vegas. So what is so different and interesting about Las Vegas is that we're the fifth largest school district in the nation, yet we are we cover Las Vegas and Henderson. We cover a huge, vast area. You know, it's all under one district. Unlike some cities, metropolitan cities like L.A. or Phoenix that are all broken up into small little districts. So we have one big district here and we have been distance learning since March 13th, correct? Friday the 13th, March 13th last year. Yes. March 13th. So I remember my easel, my teacher easel said Friday, March 13th. And when I came back after school was over, I think it was even maybe the first week of June. It was like, (laughs) I put it on my Instagram and said, it was like Pompeii, you know, like you've heard the or read the story of Pompeii, where it's like all the volcanic ash came and buried the whole city. And it's like, when they started unearthing it, it was just people, you know, caught right in the middle, you know, of whatever they were doing. And that's kind of how I felt when I went back into the classroom, it was just kind of frozen in time. And there it was, March 13th. So we've been distance learning since March 13th. It's been no hybrid. It's all been distance learning. In the beginning, teachers were allowed to be teaching from the schools, correct? Yeah. In the beginning of the year, teachers could come in and use their classrooms and you had a little bit of flexibility because the positivity rate in Las Vegas wasn't that bad. But then as the fall started hitting, the positivity rate went up and then Governor Sisolak went to a stay-at-home 2.0 order and that pretty much placed everybody at their house. And they had two days to get ready to go teach from their house, basically. I believe that was in October. Everything's running together right now. Yeah, I think it was after, I'm pretty sure it was after the first quarter. And then we've been, teachers have been at home teaching, you know, remotely at home since since then. So today I received, because I'm a parent as well, just like you are. You're a parent, I'm a parent, but we're both educators. You an admin, I'm a teacher. Um, I received like the parent information for the hybrid model. So here we are the fifth largest school district, and we're, they've just rolled out this plan to um, a hybrid model to begin on March 1st. Now, mind you, that's almost exactly a year since we left the classroom, but that's, again, that's three quarters of the way through the school year. So I say, is it, and I know people are going to be upset with me, but is it worth it? 
is it worth it to try to bring kids back? I don't think people are going to be upset with you because I think you make a valid point. There are only 22 days uh, if you do one cohort. So if... Um, Explain the cohort because other people won't even know what we're talking about. Sure. So in Las Vegas right now, with the hybrid model, there's cohort A, cohort B, cohort C. A would come to school, students on cohort A would come to school on Monday and Tuesday, and then they would be distance learning Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. People on cohort- And it's an all-day model. It's an all-day model. Yeah, so they will come all day. all day Monday, all day Tuesday. And then distance learning Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then- From if, home. From home. From home. And then if you're cohort B, then you're distance learning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at home. Then you come all day to school on Thursday and Friday. If you are cohort C, then you're just distance learning the whole time. So parents have a choice about what cohort they want to be on. And basically, we're trying to figure out ways to make the schedule work. Because like you said, is it worth it? It's March 1st, school gets out in May. So if you're on cohort A... You're basically going to come to the school 22 times before the end of the year. Is it worth ups, uprooting the schedule that you have now and the flow you have now so that kids can come 22 times this year? That's a big question or one of the many questions, really, like you were just asking. And from everything I understand about the plan, the kids are staying in the classroom. There's no correct me if I'm wrong, but there's yep. no recess. Everything is done in the classroom. Their their food their, stays in the classroom for breakfast and lunch. The specialists come into the classroom or virtually through distance learning. So there's not a whole lot of interaction. There's no interaction with other classes or, you know, siblings or anything else. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not school like it was on March 13th. It's basically military school in a way. You do have some flexibility. They decided in this new plan. So we had a plan basically in June and July and August and September and October. They kept getting updated. And then when the stay at home order happened, they pretty much shut the plan down. How can we send kids back to school if we are supposed to stay at home? So then the school board said, yeah, you can bring, bring kids back. And then the district then decided that they needed to update the plan after they already had the plan approved. So that's where we're at right now. And we're trying to figure out this plan. But one thing they did put in, to go back to what you said, they put in that you can eat lunch in the lunchroom, which helps out our school tremendously because we don't have people to, to cover the classrooms. There's just mm -hmm. a lot to it. It's not a normal year where you just plan and put students in the classrooms and, and do the normal stuff. It's, it's a whole new world. And it's like military school. It's it's way different. The kids are not going to collaborate with other classes. They're not going to be able to really – they don't have recess. They can go stand outside and they can stay socially distanced. But it's a whole different, whole different world for those people that don't know about it. Well, that's what – and as a parent, I think it's crazy because I my kids are no longer in elementary school. My oldest has graduated, so he's not even in the school system. But my two – my middle um, child and my youngest – they're both in middle school. And so it's not even an option for middle school students. And I think it's really interesting. And I want to make a point that a big, quote unquote, selling point for going back, even our um, superintendent was on the news, like Good Morning America, and he was on different shows touting that it's because our suicide rate for students has gone up. 
And I thought it was really interesting that he he put that twist on it, but we're sending K through three back. So the reason that they're, they are doing that, or they, they claim, is that there are some strong data out there that shows that kindergarten through third grade are the ones that are really getting hit hard in terms of learning. And if you do not have that foundation, then we're playing catch up forever. And I, and as a kindergarten teacher, I absolutely agree. And you and I have had personal conversations outside of our podcast where we have talked about that, that, you know, the big, I think the teachers, one of the teachers or the groups or segments of educators that are really going to be hit hard next year is first grade teachers. Yes. Because you're taking, I think probably next year, they are going to have one of the hardest jobs because if, if you were in, in third grade or fourth grade, or you're in 11th grade, you've already had previous school, you know, quote unquote, normal experience. So, you know, it's not foreign to you, but for these little kindergartners that this was their first official school experience and it's been virtual to go into a building next year and the expectations, the academic expectations, it's going to be really hard for first grade teachers next year. It is. It's going to be hard for first grade for sure because can, there's just, I mean, there's 22 days of kindergarten if they come to class. So, you know, you have that going against you. Of course, kindergarten is not mandated in Nevada. So you have kids that do it. Oh, just add that into the mix as well. <laughs> just throw that one in there as well. But, you know, first grade is going to, have to be tough. But what we're finding at Thompson is our kids have no stamina either. They can't sit for a long time on the computer. So when they come back, they're not going to be used to all this this work that we're used to, to having them do and being able mm-hmm. to read for long periods of time and, and focus and concentrate. So not only are you going to have the social aspect, you're just going to have the, the school aspect as well, where kids are not used to it anymore. And now, of course, being on technology, they're used to being able to take lunch off or to check out this game or do that. And all of a sudden, boom, you're back into that situation for six hours and 11 minutes and you can't move and you can barely talk. Yeah, it's a whole different world. So you're right. Next year is going to be difficult for first grade. But you know, we're also having the conversations at Thompson where grading is going to be difficult because parents are helping kids all the time and they're turning their, their kids' work in or they're doing their map test that we have to do an assessment. So you're going to have tons of straight A students who are now failing next year mm-hmm. because they don't have mom and dad sitting right there helping them. And it's it's going to be a complete shift in thinking for so many kids. Agreed. Agreed. But I want to share a story that this just happened just this last weekend. I saw somebody randomly that has been of, you know, a casual friend of mine for years and she has um, five boys. And so she told me that her youngest has, has a learning disability and is in the special ed program and that I'm not sure. And of course, you know, this is a parent that's telling me this. So sometimes as educators, you know, it's like maybe they misunderstood. I don't know. So I just am taking her at her word. But she said that the the special ed for her son, who's in fourth grade, that that teacher is not always available. So her son in his regular classes is really struggling. And so she said she's sitting next to him and the teacher's calling on him. And she said, she is helping him. She said, because he's having a meltdown because he, you know, he's struggling and he doesn't have the help he, he would have if he was in 
a regular sit, you know, school situation. And she said that the teacher has told her, you know, Mrs. Smith, please don't answer for him. Please don't, yeah. you know, help him. And I, as a teacher, I understand that. And it is frustrating when you have parents that are, but at the same time, I look at her situation and she's like, look, he's falling behind mm-hmm. when the teachers, you know, outside of the distance learning, when the computer's not on, he's crying and he's saying, I'm so dumb. And all my friends know it. Yeah, You know, and she said, that's breaking my heart. She said, so I, there is nobody else to help him. So I am, I'm going to sit there. And when she said it, she was very emphatic and it kind of, kind of took me back. Cause I thought, okay, which hat am I going to wear? Am I going to wear my mom hat or am I going to wear my educator hat? And I thought, you know what? I'm not in the situation she's in. I'm not. And I don't even, I, I couldn't even give her any advice, you know, because I, I mean, what do you do in a situation like this? It's so hard. I mean, you're right. Like that mom's perspective is that her baby is struggling and that's her precious child. That's her number one thing. And she's Mm -hmm. going to help and do her thing. Our perspective as educators is let him fail. We will get the help. Her perspective is you're not helping. He's not getting the help. So you have all those perspectives as well. And all of them are going to suddenly be thrown back into mm-hmm. uh, the classroom next year, which I think we will start in hybrid next year. I do not think we will be back to quote unquote normal, whatever normal will ever be again. So you, there's just going to be next year is going to be a challenge for all educators. This year was tough, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But next year you're dealing with social and you're dealing with the parents helping and emotional and all of these facets. And it's just going to be a it's going to be a storm of challenges that that are different than what this year were. So I, I just think it's going to continue to be a struggle for a few years until everyone gets used to this whole school idea again. This new this new way of educating. And I do want to point out that <laughs> it it does kind of blow my mind a little bit when you say things like. Next year, they'll be they'll still be distance learning. And mm-hmm. I remember having a conversation with you at the beginning of summer 2020. And I asked you, I said, what are your thoughts? Because at the time, our school board was trying to decide if we were going to go a hybrid model or if we were going to go distance learning or if we were going to go back to school. There was talk of, you know, just kind of coming back to school. And it was in June. And I remember talking to you and you said, absolutely not. We're going to be full distance learning. And it it, mm-hmm. I remember her saying, no, like, yeah. you really think that? And you were like, no, absolutely. So I don't know if you have like the inside scoop, but sure enough, that is what <laughs> has happened. And so when you say this, I'm like, okay, there's probably some sort, there, there's some amount of truth to it. So if you're an educator and you're listening to this and you don't like <laughs> hybrid model or you don't like distance learning, I, I mean, I might consider, you know, maybe taking some extra courses or something. (laughs) You took the positive perspective on that because one of the things I think we as admin are going to fight is a loss of educators. There's going to be so many people who throw their hands up and like, I can't do this again next year. And I also wonder, so at at, uh, my school right now with trying to figure out the hybrid plan, I am trying to convince I don't know if that's the right word or not, but have a discussion about can you guys teach students in your room at the same time as you teach students online? Because I think, honestly, distance learning is never going to go away. There are students that are doing Mm -hmm. great things in distance learning. They don't have to worry about being bullied. They don't have to worry about 
um, teachers being mean to them. So there's there's a different perspective from the student that some of them are being successful. But like I'm trying to see I'm I'm always thinking forward. So really, I'm trying to use this as a springboard to next year. And what can we do? Are are teachers able to teach students in their room and at home? effectively at the same time and the overwhelming thought right now is that like you like you always used to say we're going to be the jack of all trades and the master of none i i worry that we're going to get to where we have kids logging in and kids sitting in front of us and the teacher is going to basically going to have to struggle between back and forth and not be able to do both of them well i i agree and i you know, we are both on social media and, ha- you know, follow different educators that are sharing their stories. And I have several teacher friends that teach kindergarten in in some form or fashion of hybrid. So um, one of my friends, they've been in and out uh, probably four to five times since the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Like they started off face to face and they went virtual. Then they went, you know, face to face and they're, they're virtual. Now they're getting ready to go back, to, you know, to face to face again. And you know, and it's hard. It's hard. And yeah. especially, you know, for the for the families that choose the virtual, I as, as a kindergarten teacher, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I I am such a huge advocate for hands on. And I really think that's important, especially in those foundational years. They need those manipulatives. They need that you know, social interaction. And, and, mm-hmm. and right now that's completely limited. And I've seen some educators really do an amazing job and sure, go sure. above and beyond, but it's just not the same. It's not, I mean, you, you're friends with, you're friends with uh, a guy that's in Tennessee. You can certainly say your friend if you want, <laughs> who, who is, you know, doing an amazing job, but you know, not everybody has the ability or the time or the resources that he has to do that. So you also have the struggle of teachers who are getting burnt out for looking for certain things and trying to do those things. It's just, there are so many challenges to everything. And let me add that. And I think, you know, we're going to talk about something later on, not today, but toxic positivity. And I am definitely a positive person and I'm definitely somebody who tries to, you know, conquer the dip and kind of jump in. And I want to work on it until I get it, you Mm -hmm. know, but I think one thing I'm seeing a lot of, no, I shouldn't say that, you know, I'm seeing a lot of, but I've seen it here and there is it's like, okay, well, you know, you, you can be an amazing online teacher. You can, and I'm not disputing that, but you don't know what they're going through. If you are a teacher and you have your own kids, that's a whole nother ball game. Yes. So you could want to be, you could desire to be this amazing um, hybrid teacher or amazing distance learning teacher, but you have your own, say you have only one child that is at home that you're trying to make sure gets schooled and gets into their sessions. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and so to say, well, you could be like so-and-so, or you could be like, you know, you should be like this teacher. I feel is an unfair comparison. It is. It is. It's not fair this year to compare anybody to anybody. I think as admin, from my perspective, I have not expected anybody to do anything except for their best and learn in their area. I don't think it's fair. One thing I don't like personally is how we have to keep evaluating teachers using the same evaluation tool as last year. 
I was just going to bring that up. I was just going to bring that up. I do not think that we should be evaluating teachers this year. I'm sorry. Well, I, uh, I don't. I, <laughs> your, your perspective versus mine. I see your point. I do. It's a whole new world. But, you know, from the admin side, there are some teachers out there that can't teach in distance learning or in regular school. And should they be teaching at all? You know, it's it, again, that's that's a, a very few. And I understand what you're saying. But to use the same eval is not good at all. So I don't. But to try to come up with an evaluation for this year, who's going to make it? That, that's, well, that's always been the big question, Robert, is who's the people yeah. who are creating this stuff? People who haven't been in the classroom in 20 <laughs> years? People who well, people who've never actually taught in a classroom, they've only taught in college classrooms, or they've only taught in theory, or they've been in business, and and somehow uh, I'm sorry, I completely disagree because I know because there is no system, there is no system this year that, that this nobody has ever done this before. I've never even heard of Zoom until the pandemic. That's true. I should have bought stock. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we all should have. That that GameStop, you'd be fine. Exactly. But all of all educators out there that are listening to me, all teachers, do not get wrapped up in your eval this year if you are satisfactory um, or effective or highly effective or whatever your district does. Because if you survive this year, you're highly effective. You did a great job. It's hard this year. Yes. So then all the principals that are listening, they, in my opinion, stop writing and saying, why aren't you engaging your students? I, I, I just talked to a teacher friend of mine and she was so discouraged because she had an, ev an evaluation where they said, where's your level of engagement? I'm sorry. How can you can, I understand that we can, that teachers can do their best and try to add in, you know, all kinds of things, but I can't really control when the student is at home and, you know, their little brother or sister's running around in the background or their mom's, you know, or the kitchen's catching on fire. Who knows? Yeah. You know, and that's not fair. I agree. And so it's easy for you to say, well, don't take a personal, but then we have all these principles that really are. They are. They're writing people up and, and, and giving them unsatisfactory. And to some people, that evaluation is their is their being. That evaluation is who they are. Some people can take it and throw it away and be like, eh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen both. I've seen both. You you get you get the people that, you know what, that will for in Las Vegas we have one through four that will fight for every four. I'm a four and everything and they, they, they can provide evidence. So you get those teachers, but then you get the ones that like, uh, well, I'm not unsatisfactory. So it doesn't matter. You get all gamuts, but this year, I think we just have to step back a little bit and look what these people have accomplished and be thankful that they're still there and still alive and still working. And I don't think the eval is a fair assessment of their ability or or what they've done the past few years but at the same point in time it's all paperwork that's mandated by people above so so teachers again we have to do this doesn't mean we like it or not and admin just step back for a moment and just put yourself in their shoes because i guarantee you that there is not one principal in clark county that is that is saying man i really want to go back to the classroom this year and, and do distance learning there's not. So you need to step back and just think, what have they gone through? And just have 
just have a little grace. I yeah. mean, I was just going to say, I, I presented at a virtual conference a month ago, and that was one of my tips is it's extend grace to yourself and to your te- you know, to your families and to your students, because nobody has been in this situation before. No principal has, no, no teacher has, no student has. This is all, you know, as cliche as it sounds, unchartered territory. You know, and so nobody yeah. knows. So ex- give grace to yourself. Give grace yeah. to each other. Yeah, there's a there's a good thing on social media. It's something I'm paraphrasing that says, "Your kids are not struggling; they are surviving a pandemic." Mm-hmm. And you have to think about that. They're not struggling; they're learning to survive this as well. So give yourself grace. Yes, and I would love for our listening audience to find us on Instagram or our Facebook page and let us know what is your biggest challenge and let us know, are you face-to-face? I'm always surprised to know that there are still some schools and some districts that have been face-to-face this whole time and it's working for them. So uh, that's awesome. But are you face-to-face? Are you hybrid? Are you completely distance learning? And what are your struggles? You know, let us know. Tell us about your teacher evals. We'd love to hear it. So go find us. It's all about Perspective 2021 on Instagram. And it's now time for rapid fire number two with you, Robert. I did the first one. So now it's time for me to ask you. So the very first question is, who inspires you in your life? Uh, The most of... The most inspirational person in my life, uh, I don't know him, but is Steve Gleason. Steve Gleason is a guy that played in the NFL. I followed him. He grew up next in a city next to mine, and I watched him play college football and then go into the NFL, and it was kind of neat because he's my age, and um, it's kind of small town-ish. But he grew up, made it to the NFL. He wasn't very big. He basically had grit and determination and toughness. Mm -hmm. And um, he's actually responsible for one of the biggest plays in New Orleans State's history after Hurricane Katrina, uh, which is he blocked a punt, and it was like the rebirth. But the thing that makes Steve Gleason amazing is that he was diagnosed with ALS, Mm -hmm. which is Lou Gehrig's disease, and he had all that ability and all that talent taken from him. And rather than just give up and die, he has turned it around to have the ultimate growth mindset and made a huge difference for students with ALS. So it's been neat to watch his journey, but also amazing to watch the things he's accomplished. I think he's accomplished more having ALS than he had in the NFL. Awesome. Who or what inspires you in education? Uh, there's two people. Joe Clark, who just passed away. He was a principal. They made a movie after him. He was tough, but the thing that made Joe Clark awesome was that I saw him on Oprah once, and he always tried to end a conversation with a student by saying, I believe in you, or I know you can do that. So I try to do that when I have a conversation with students, and no matter how tough I have to be on them, if I do, I always try to say, you can do this. I believe in you, but you got to work at it. So Joe Clark is one, and then um, people who get out of the box and aren't status quo inspire me in education. I don't like I don't like status quo, so try something new, and, and let's see what happens. All right, so if that... If being outside of the box is what inspires you, what do you not want to see in colleagues or teachers, admin? Mm -hmm. I don't like, again, I don't like mandates or status quo type stuff. Like we need to move this thing forward. I actually love distance learning and the fact that it has made educators grow exponentially this year. So um, what turns me off is when you don't try to get better or you don't you don't listen to suggestions. You just continue to be uh, average or mediocre. What's your favorite thing about your job in specific? 
my favorite thing is when a plan comes together. So if we plan something huge for the school that's huge for the kids, and then you watch them succeed and you watch the teachers have success and the whole plan come together, uh, and and you can feel it. You can just feel the joy and the passion of, of educators and the happiness of kids. Uh, there's just nothing better than that. So when a, when a plan comes together, that is the ultimate. What's your least favorite thing to do in your job? I think I know this. <laughs> paperwork. Uh-huh. I hate mandates and paperwork. I don't think I need to expand upon that. Uh, I hate paperwork. Got it. If you could change education in one way, what would it be? Uh, again, I would hope people just get out of the box. Just get out of the box and try something new. That's the main thing. There's no no reason not to just be status quo. Like everybody should have to do something out of the box every year. Mm -hmm. It just should be mandatory. So that's what you would do. Yeah, I would, I would somehow mandate that you're going to try something new that is so not you. So you could feel either the success or you could learn from your mistakes and get better. Love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Again, Robert and I both thank you and appreciate you tuning in, hopefully, to the first episode and episodes from here on out. You can find us on Instagram at It's All About Perspective 2021 and our Facebook page. Go check us out and like and subscribe wherever you find your podcast. And remember that it's all about perspective. Have an awesome day. listening to today's podcast we would love to hear your perspective on this episode head over to our instagram page it's all about perspective 2021 or our facebook and twitter page and share your opinion don't forget to subscribe or rate and review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast and one last thing remember it's all about perspective <laughs>